And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Take my money. Well, I'm going to. At least that's possible if you're willing to invest in a startup because, you know, lots I'm selling lots of stuff over here today. I'm just thinking, you know, maybe dollar here, $5 there. I went down to the coin star, I dropped off all my change and I'm ready, man. I'm locked and loaded. Sign me up. How can I be a startup investor? Well, I think the startup hustle is really growing and I want to invest in it. How okay. can I invest? That's part of what, that's part of what I want to you know, take your money on. So before I do that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io because hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. You know, Matt, I look back and, you know, we've, you know, we're about a thousand episodes deep into this and wow on that. But, you know, we started, uh, we started this whole series of podcasts uh, with episode two being titled getting funded sucks because uh, it does for startups. But on the flip side, it can also kind of suck for a lot of people learning how to be a startup investor. I think that's a fair way to start. Well, I think this is a great topic because we usually talk about raising capital, but we don't really talk about the other side of it being the investor. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you and I, we've both been investors, continue to be investors. We've invested in ourselves. We've invested in others. We've invested in funds. We've invested cash. We've invested sweat. We've invested uh, work. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways for, for individuals and groups of individuals and even potentially your company, because I mentioned full scale and we own full scale together. Full scale has been an investor. So there's a lot of different ways that you can get into the startup game. But I think, you know, let's let's start with a little a little uh, a little disclaimer here. So first off, we are not financial advisors and anything we say on this show is is just what we have come across I think it's fair to say, because here's the thing, if you're going to invest in startups, wow, you better be ready because it is a very illiquid thing. You, it's not like on the Robinhood app where you sold your Apple, bought your Apple shares at one stoplight and sold them at the next. Yep. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah. And yeah. there's, especially if you're doing early stage, there's a huge amount of, of loss that, that goes yeah. on. So. Well, it's risky. It's, it's risky. It's risky gambling. But at the same time, depending on where you're at and if you pick winners, it can also be really lucrative. Otherwise, not that many people would be doing it. I mean, there's billions and billions of dollars that go into startups. Now, when I don't want to talk about, you know, when I hear people talk about companies that are about to go public and they're like, and they're a startup. No, they're not. Not, no. not in the purposes of that conversation. We're talking about 
early companies, like early ones. And, you know, now there's a fact, you know, startup investing by average investors became a lot easier in 2012 because they did the jump start our business startups act, the jobs act, and that relaxed some of the federal security regulations. So I mentioned like the Robin hood app and buying Apple shares. Those are publicly traded securities. They have a different set of rules around them. And with, and prior to the, you know, the jobs act and also like the security exchange commission voted in 2016 to adopt rules that made crowdfunding more possible. It was really hard. It was really hard to, to, for startups to get, um, you know, you basically just had to have rich people or rich funds write you checks. And that was, that wasn't always a straightforward process, was it? Well, typically you have to be an accredited investor. Yeah. And you have to make a certain amount of money a year or have a certain net worth. And, and yeah, so you're, you, you're trying to find accredited investors that can invest. And like you said, the, the Jobs Act and some of these crowdfunding things have opened that up a little bit so people who are not accredited investors can invest in things. Yeah, so when we say accredited investor, the definition means you have an annual income of at least 200000 or 300000 if combined with the spouse. And that level of income needs to be sustainable from year to year. You can also have, there's also, you know, uh, net worth, meaning and it can't be the value of your home. So if you have other, you might, I mean, maybe you don't have an income that's high, but you might have a couple million dollars in stock or something else that's, you know, basically you're not going to, I think what they're doing there is that with the, uh, with the accreditation process is they're trying to keep trying to establish a line at which some assumed form of financial sophistication may begin. Well, you don't want to go to your grandma and have her cash out her 401k and take her 50 grand or whatever and invest it in your crazy startup idea. And then grandma gets screwed, right? Like, that's the point. Least, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I mean, those are the scenarios I think you're trying to prevent. Yeah. So that, you know, when the job acts came, came through and, you know, here's the thing is that stuff like this on the government level exists, uh, meaning they're wanting to relax this stuff because they want to see money come in, you know, new businesses, um, they fail a lot, but a lot of times they don't and they create jobs. They create, they make purchases, they solve problems and lead innovation in a lot of ways that, I mean, that's America, man. USA. That's kind of well, what that's kind of what we're supposed to be doing, right? It's it's capitalism at its finest, right? Correct. And so, the I think we could argue all day long that um, entrepreneurs do a better job of creating jobs than the government does. So true. On the other side, you have yeah. socialism and communism, or whatever, right? That the government owns all the businesses and controls everything and all that kind of stuff, but. As entrepreneurs, we do a great job of solving problems and creating jobs. That's what the free market and capitalism is all about. Yeah, my favorite ism is capitalism. And, you know, we don't get into, we don't, we don't talk about sex, religion, or politics on this show. But, um, you know, when it comes to, to capitalism, I mean, I don't know. I'll just leave it as saying, I think it's a cure for a lot of things. Because, you know, you look at, at something like NASA, like NASA doesn't fly, isn't flying ships to space anymore. They're going to outsource it. Yeah. SpaceX cap- came in and capitalism. Yeah. Because capitalism has to work within a budget and make decisions that make business sense. Not just like, Hey, 
you know, so it can be a cure. Now, for those of you listening to the show, you probably have the dream. Now, this isn't all right. So we went through a lot of this. Now, I was just recently talking to uh, someone I don't need to name, but Matt and I both know. And, you know, it's someone that's made many investments and different stuff and, and said to me, he said, you know, it's so hard for me to try to determine what I should make an investment in. And I said, that's normal. It's hard because realistically, there's a lot of oper- a lot of things you can invest in. And how do you pick a winner? Um, you know, Matt, through the we've talked about this so much. And, you know, I love asking people, who do you want to invest in the jockey or the horse? It starts with the founder. Like if you want to be a startup investor, find great founders that you can tell they stand out. But it starts like be prepared to talk to a lot of put yourself in the front of a lot of opportunities. Well, and one thing we should talk about is all the different types of channels that as a, as a startup investor, you can invest in, right? So being an an angel investor, yeah. Yeah. Being an angel investor or investing through different kinds of funds. And those are a huge help. I mean, if you're just randomly going to startup events and talking to random people, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's an insane amount of work, especially unless you're going to write a big check. I mean, if you're going to invest 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand, like you're going to have to talk to a lot of people. It's a lot of due diligence. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of work to, to To, to invest that small, small small investments. Like, so if you're, if you're sitting here thinking, listening to this show and you're thinking $10,000 is going to move the needle and get you a chunk of equity somewhere, it, it won't. Probably not. Yeah. And I I mean, there are angel groups that you can join that have some minimum thresholds and some of them are kind of low. They might be down to the five, 10,000 at the smallest, but usually it's going to be bigger than that. But um, 25, 50, a hundred, you know, and those are now those are common angel investment amounts, I think. And those angel groups are great because they help, they help. Let's define what that is. Slow, Slow down for a second. What's an angel group? So it's it's a it's it's similar to a private equity or venture fund, some kind of investment fund, but they focus on the very very early stage, like seed stage, um, or sometimes Series A stage, depending on where you're at in the country. But it's usually the some of the very early funds, and you know people that have a business idea and have a little bit of traction and and stuff, you know, are 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 pitching to these angel groups for investment. And there's a couple of them in Kansas City, and we also have incubators, which are kind of kind of related to this too. And um, those angel groups are great. And as an investor, they help screen all of it and do all the diligence, do all the work. And basically, I just you know get to look at the 20 minute version of it and say yay or nay, I like this one, and I'll put in 10 grand or 50 grand or whatever it is, without having to like find the deals myself. They're finding the deals and they're screening them, so they they provide a huge amount of of effort for me. And they're good for the startup for founders and startups because they can get an audience in front of multiple people that want to write angel type checks. So when we say angel, 
this is the angel. These kind of investments are free. Uh, they're like individuals to you or to a startup founder. So I, here I come as a founder and I'm ready to go talk to a group of angel investors and there might be 20 people there and I'm going to give my pitch and my presentation. And what I'm realistically hoping for is that a few of them may be interested. And the cool thing about those angel groups, and if you want to be an investor, I think this is a great place to start because you're going to be around other people that have probably written checks before you. Like they have a little bit of experience. They're going to, you're going to kind of see what they like, what they don't, what they're interested in and not. And, you know, and, and then sometimes it comes in groups, you know, so, you know, your $25,000 check might come with someone else's 50, another person puts in a hundred, there's a guy with 10, you know, and now all of a sudden that kind of lumps up to a reasonable amount and, and starts to make the, it, it reduce, it reduces the risk a little bit by just hopefully I say reducing the risk because, well, if you have more money, the idea is that it will at least take you longer to run out of it. I say that with a question mark and a dot, 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 because it's not always the way it goes. Uh, I think that's a good place to start. And, you know, like you said, like the vetting process helps. Um, as Matt said, just as, if you're just investing straight into businesses and you're going out looking for those opportunities, I think you're going to, pro- if you don't have experience or you're not familiar with the space, like I think I could go do that, but I have, I'm pretty well versed in the space. But it's, no, hard to, know, it's hard to source people. the deals. I can get too. myself in front of stuff. And it's like, it's the best, the best deals and opportunities in the, in the earliest stages usually come from the companies that no one's heard of yet. Right. So I, and to continue talking about this, I would say there's probably three types of angel groups. You've got the investment club kind of groups, which might be yeah. the buddies from the country club or, or the yeah. poker buddies that kind of just pull some money together. It's like some friends that do this, do some things. Very and, common, by the way. Yeah, Very so common. There's a lot of that. And that would be like, hey, you know, I find something I like and I, I call Matt DeCourcy and I call a couple of friends and, yep. you know, we, we kind of co-invest in some things as buddies, right? And, and then you're you hoping got, those people call you later when they have an opportunity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you get you get those kinds of deals too. So if you know somebody who does that kind of stuff, you could you could sync up with them. And then you have like real angel groups, like in Kansas City, we have mm-hmm. Mid American Angels and, and there's groups like that all over the country. And yeah, and there's prop there's one wherever you're at. Yeah. And then there's, yeah. And and so, like in Kansas City, Mid America Angels, like I think just about anybody can join it. And the minimum investment size is is relatively low. It might be five grand, 10 grand, 20 grand, whatever. But then there's another group in Kansas City that, like, where all the rich guys, the the rich families go to. And that, the minimum check there will be like 200 grand or something. So, there's um, and it has a, a lot of completely different type of investment because in those, that, that becomes a fund at that point. They're, it, they're, they're still kind of like high-end angel groups, though. You know, yeah, it's- but they're still a fund, though, because meaning like there's a fund manager or someone that is probably well-versed in the whole process yes. and all of it. Yes. And, and also has the discipline to know and understand and maybe realize. Because here's the thing is if you're, if you're new to the, to the startup investment game, I'll be honest, it's all going to look – a lot of it's going to look like a really good opportunity in the beginning. Yes, well, and that's the that's the benefit of these groups, right? Is you go to these groups, and you're going to have a, a wide diverse of potential investors, uh, just like me and, and you. There, they have different backgrounds, and that's where we can all work together collectively and say, "Oh, I like this. I don't like this. Oh, I have experience in, in this industry. It's a good idea. It's a bad idea. Whatever." And that's where you kind of have like this herd of investors, and across the herd, 
they can they can also kind of help weigh in if this is if yeah. it's good or bad. Instead of you alone making the decision, you can also kind of get in a room with a lot of other smart investors and work together to kind of figure out is this good or bad. Yeah. So let's. So you meant. So we mentioned like individuals, groups, and funds, and we'll, we can expand on those a little bit. I do want to point out that you know you have these crowdfunding platforms now that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I actually pulled something off of our notes earlier because I had some notes that was like referenced like Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Those aren't investments. That's supporting a startup. An investment is when you you will yield a return that isn't just a delivery of a product or a service. Right. Like you have like and and you know, and I say a return because it doesn't always mean equity. So like when Matt and I started full scale amidst the pandemic, we actually raised our own venture debt, which wasn't true investments. Well, it was investment in form of lending. So we paid our, our lenders back a return and, in, in, you know, over a, a certain amount of time in amortized payments. But that is different. That was lending, not not investing because those people don't own shares of the company. So understand like what your, what your objective is and what you're doing because some people don't, you know, and, and, you know, as, as mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is very illiquid stuff. If you own 5% of the startup hustle podcast that you don't sell or trade that, on, at Schwab.com I, or or Coinbase or Robinhood or any of those things. So the thing is, is it could be a very, if you run into, you should not be investing in startups. If you think you're going to need that money or that asset ever. I've got several investments I did 10 years ago that are, those companies are still, still going. And I don't know when and if I will ever get my money back in some of them. Now, well, Matt, one of the, buy those shares from you right now. That would be nice if there was a way to do that. I mean, there's some weak ways to do it, but here's the thing. Oh, so, so your $10,000 investment, I could probably buy those shares from you, but by the time it was said and done, I'd probably have a $5,000 legal bill doing it. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 There's, and that's the thing you have, the, the, key, the most important thing, if you get anything out of this uh, episode today is if you're going to do startup investment, you really want to spread it far and wide. You know, you don't, you don't, if you've got 200,000 to invest or whatever, you don't want to invest it all in one thing. You want to invest it in like 10 things. Yeah. And, I want to talk about some easy ways to do that. Oh, do you have something else? Sorry. And, um, you know, I'm a good example of this. I, I made several investments, you know, about 10 years ago. One of them has done really well. I think it's 40 X probably return for me but it's still illiquid. I still can't do anything with it, but it's up 40x. And now when they when they talk about selling, I'm like, "No, no, no, keep growing. <laughs> You're growing yeah. so fast. Like, I don't want you to sell. Like, just keep going." Right? And um but then there's some other ones that are like, "I have no idea what's ever going to happen with these things." And well, a couple of them have went belly up. We've been pretty open about that. Like, and you know, we don't want to throw some of these things are still in motion, but we're like, "Yeah, I'm not sure that's going anywhere." But now will the one that went 40x cover all the ones that didn't? It will. Yeah, it will. And that's, and that's how it works, people. I mean, that's and, how it works at funds and other things. What and, is, I'll tell you something that isn't risky, Matt, finding expert software developers when you go to fullscale.io, 
you know, that's what we do there. And it can make it easy to build a team quickly and affordably. And maybe if you just invested in a startup, have them go to fullskill.io because that fast and quick affordability of a team that has experience is well vetted and a company that has the platform to help you run that team like full scale. So, you know, it only takes a couple minutes to, to fill out what you need and find matches at fullscale.io. Now, you know, that's, I have a good point there because that's the thing that we've talked about so many times on this show is that it's very difficult in the earliest stages of a business to understand what you truly need as uh, from an expense structure. And if you're investing in software companies, know that software developers, especially if they're all in the U.S., are expensive. Very have expensive. A major supply and demand problem here in the U.S. So, you know, Matt, let's talk about let's talk about funds for a second because I don't know if you ended up doing anything, but I did recently just put some money into scale VC, which is a seed round, a seed stage startup uh, fund out of Columbia, Missouri, go to scale hyphen dot or scale hyphen VC.com. Um, and you know, the reason I did that were the, like, I love the idea of getting involved in seed stage businesses, but, and I love the idea of seeing a return from that. What I don't love the idea of is finding 20 of them to write small checks to because yeah, it's, it's a lot, lot of work. work and a lot to keep up with it. It's a lot of tax forms to collect. It's just a lot of shit to deal with. So there's a lot of small funds. I mean, literally thousands of them around the country. There's, I mean, there's five to 10 of them in my hometown in Kansas city that I even know of, there might be more, but you know, when we looked at something like that, like that, that I, that's real appealing to me years later. I don't think I would have been into that five years ago, but five years later, knowing what I know now, and just like they do a really good job of, of finding good opportunities, but they also have like kind of a focused set of resources, advice. It's, it, they, it, I don't want to call it a true accelerator because it's a little different, but it's adjacent to it. And, you know, I like that because it's, it's th- these funds also do a good job of putting the companies that they invest in in front of other good opportunities, investors or the right people. And, you know, you and I have both agreed to at least be mentors for a program like that. Yeah. And, yep. and see that. And so, so that's what I'm looking at. And I'm looking at something like that. I'm like, Oh, you're going to go find good opportunities. And you know, they're up front. They're like, you know, these are, these are risky. These are early. I'm like, yeah, I get it. That's fine. You know, but you're look. they're looking, these funds are looking for, to invest in 20 companies, hoping that two, at least two have that big return and then maybe more have, you know, do okay. And then next thing you know, years later, it hopefully adds up to more. And you've had some success with those kind of investments, right? I have. And um, one thing I want to clarify for people that are listening. So if you go the angel group route, which we talked about earlier, it's kind of more of a choose your own adventure and you're kind of more in control of it. So you're going to meet the the companies. You're going to decide how much to invest. It's kind of, and some people have more fun with that. You're going to the diligence yourself too. Some people have more fun with that because it's a little more hands-on. Now the fund route that you're talking about now is is more of a traditional of like, look, I I sign up for fund X. I sent them a hundred thousand dollars or they do capital calls every year. And I have to send them $50,000 for capital calls a year for three years, whatever it is. And then they do all the rest. I'm done. I walk away. I do nothing. And that is a great way to do it where you just write the check and you send them the money. 
um, to invest in either a venture capital fund, a private equity fund, or a VC fund that is more startup focused, like like you're mentioning, like these seed stage funds or these accelerator funds like Scale VC you mentioned. So those are the easiest way to do it. You just you just give money to the fund; they do all the work. But if you enjoy being more involved in the process, the angel group part of it can be kind of fun. So then, you know, flip side, and this isn't necessarily fun, but yesterday I spent a little time with the Launch KC people um, because they have a new group of grant recipients Mm -hmm. that are coming out. Now, look, stay with me here, listeners. So these grant recipients are going to get $50,000 a piece from the Kansas City Economic Development Corporation, which exists to spread out the butter like that and get some companies started. I think that those are good signal flares for a yes. lot of people that want to be in startup investments. Like, look, the, 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 you're sit with Goog- at Google, you are sitting upon an embarrassment of riches when it comes to ways to find good companies that are starting up, there are, I mean, shit, even look at, listen to this podcast. We give you a list of, of a city's top startups every month. And those are vetted and researched by us. Like, are we perfect? Like, are all those companies going to win? Certainly not. But my point is, is that there's like, I mean, the info's everywhere. It's everywhere. And all you have to do is Google it and look at it. And, you know, like there's Y Combinator, uh, Techstars, you know, like all these things that have these early stage companies in. And to me, that's validation because you don't get those awards and you don't get into those programs because you suck. Well, and, and figuring out those programs and creating a relationship with them is valuable because like take Y count combinator or launch KC scale VC, any of them. Once the companies go through that and they get out of it to do even follow on funding, they want to, they want to have these relationships with these potential investors to put them in front of too. Right. So that, you know, if you can build those relationships with them, you can help get in, get in front of them as they come out of those accelerators. The other thing that I think we need to, to mention to people is Depending on where you live, there could be huge incentives to do startup investing as Great well. Great point. Great in certain, point. In certain types of companies and certain types of situations. So like in the state of Kansas, there's angel tax credits. And for certain companies that have signed up for that program and have qualified it and done all the work, um, I don't know if they're still doing it in 2022 or what, what, what the they phase are. of it is. But I did this in the past where, so for example, I could invest $100,000 and get a $50,000 tax credit. And so basically, I basically got 50,000 and not a, not a tax like uh, write off like deduction, no True dollar credit. for dollar yeah. credit. Now, again, I have to be like paying a lot of taxes to potentially to be able to use the credit. Um, and I'm just using 100,000. You have to pay a lot. You have example to pay some. Yeah, yeah, you have I'm to pay some. And if you're- 100 is an example. If you're, but. Well, if you're an employee, like if you're a, someone that has a job, Okay, so when Matt says you have to be making money, meaning like, uh, okay, so the the what happens as an entrepreneur is in the first couple of years of your business, you probably run a loss, and you're gonna file your you're gonna file negative income. Yeah. So if you have negative income, a tax credit doesn't do shit for you. Right. But okay, so Reese, I so when I filed my 2022 taxes, I got seventy five hundred dollars straight off of them because I bought a Tesla that year. Right. Year. Yep. That's the kind of credit, credit you get right man. There. Like yes. I literally watched the amount of tax yes. that I had to pay because I owed, 
I watched it go down by seventy five. Yep. Seventy five hundred dollars straight cash, dude. Straight cash. So it's so with with Kansas Angel tax credits, but for an example, that's that is some. And you know, it's crazy because that. Okay, I. I won't say which one, but I explained to a mayor in the area that that even existed once. Damn. And it's like, and, but that, and Matt's kind of sagging his head in the video here. But, but the thing is, is these things are out there when you look at it. So in that particular case, like they would have a $50,000 threshold. And if a person in Kansas invested in an approved Kansas company, you could get up to 50% of your original investment back in a Kansas tax credit that could be used over a five-year period and also was transferable. Yeah. You can sell the credits. And so there are literally like marketplaces and people that do that, that owe a lot of tax and they will buy those things for like 80 to 90 cents on the dollar. So, and the, the, the most wonderful thing about these tax credits is I don't want to say they take away all the risk of the investor. Sure does they, reduce They it. take away half the risk right yeah. away. And then I think technically, even if you lost all the hundred thousand you invest, I think you could write off the whole hundred thousand later as a deduction. So it's like I got a hundred thousand dollar deduction because the equity of that thing blew up and I got a fifty thousand dollar credit. I don't know. Not financial Maybe. advice. No, I don't think but, that's right. And sorry, I actually I think because well, it depends. I think if you owned true equity in a company, so let's talk about that for a second. Equity versus notes. You need to start getting if you want to invest in startups, you have to know how it's doing it, right. like how you're doing it. So a lot of times you will make an investment and it'll sit as a convertible note, which means you don't own the equity yet. In that particular case, if the company went belly up, you wouldn't have a write-off. But if mm. you bought 20% of a company and it and it lost a hundred thousand dollars and you own the shares and that had a hundred thousand dollar loss in twenty twenty two. 20% of that loss would be written off on your tax, on your refund, because you would get what is known as a K-1 form that said right. the company lost hundred grand, you own 20% of the shares. Now on the flip side, you should know if you also own equity and the company made money, you're going to get a positive. Yep, phantom you're gonna income. You're going to have a K-1, a positive, you may have a tax liability. Now the best people to tell you all about this is your accountant or your financial advisor, not us. The, the point, neither one of us are either yeah. one of those. I want to keep putting that out there. Yeah. The, the point is look for these types of incentives in different states and different cities. You know, again, getting plugged into kind of the local startup entrepreneur community, you can ask these questions to kind of figure out these things exist, but uh, they're great. I, I think to be able right. to take I think that's, I think the way I phrased that though is, is the, is correct. Now I don't, it's possible that what we mentioned with Kansas angel tax credits could have a clause somewhere or something yeah, in there no to de-risk some of that, but look for it. They exist. They're out there. Okay. Let's, let's, we're going to be remiss if we don't talk a little bit about what the process looks like, because yeah. we've talked about like how you can do it. I wanted to take one more second though. And I want to talk about the, the vessels. Because convertible notes aren't well, they can become they can become shares. Um, so this can be real. This this can be confusing to people that don't get it. So a lot of times when you make an investment, and in that in the situation we mentioned, we might not want to own the equity yet because it could be an iffy thing. So these convertible notes either exist as debt that may have to be repaid later. Or it converts into shares. Um, sometimes that's up to you. 
sometimes that's up to the company and sometimes that's up to a situation like another investment coming in or a threshold or a timeline being met. And sometimes it's a combination of all three of those things being, being needed. Well, and I, I had an investment I did a few years ago that was on a convertible note and they never converted it. So it, it stayed yeah. as a convertible note for years and then they sold the company. And so I had the option of basically taking my investment back plus like 6% interest or whatever and getting all my money back or converting it into equity which largely got rolled into the new company. So I like What'd rolled on into the new thing. I you decided to roll on because yeah. if I just took the money plus like the 8%, like it wasn't a huge return versus I converted it, I got a lot more, but I could have yeah, de-risked yeah. the situation and just walked away. Yeah. So that Matt's referring to there is known in startup investment as a liquidity event. Mm -hmm. And that's either an acquisition, usually an acquisition. Um, I mean, now, but on the flip side, you know, when I had Sandy Kemper from C2FO on the show in January, they had just raised like $200 million from, I think it was SoftBank. Um, and that, and, and 90% of that was brought in to create liquidity for their employees. Hmm. Meaning like they did that because they were like, hey, they could go public if they wanted, but they hadn't. And I don't know if I don't know where they were at on that, but they did that because they had a lot of people that had been with the company earning shares. There are some actual marketplaces where you can buy uh, employees option shares like vested shares. Um, and these are companies that might not be public, but are pretty well known startups that might be on the path to that. OK, so. With what we've all been talking about, all of this, that's referred to as deal flow. Okay, deal flow is opportunities to invest, they, however it is they come. I do want to highly suggest if you want to get in this game, see some pitches before you start swinging. Right? Yeah, and it's a lot of work. Have discipline. Yep, it takes a lot if of time. If you're investing in every opportunity that comes in front of you, you're going to get fucked. It's that simple. Absolutely. I mean, there's no nicer way to say it. Sorry if you don't like the F word, but if you invest in every opportunity, you're going to get fucked because they're not all winners. And I would say if you're doing this kind of the angel investor style where you want to like pick and choose what you do, I would pick things that you know about or you're passionate about, you know? Yes. Um, like or I you knew somebody offer value. Yeah. Like I knew somebody who yeah. had software that... Um, largely had to do like for autism and stuff like that. It's like, Oh, if you're passionate about autism, like, you know, maybe that's great for you. You know, I have people come to me, they're like, Oh, do you want to invest in this real estate thing? And I'm like, no, I, I just yeah. don't care about real estate. You just have to pick kind of what you like. And I've, and I've been in multiple meetings and pitches with you where both of us said that at one point. Yeah. We don't know anything about this. This isn't, this isn't our play. I had that happen the other day. And then also I want to, okay, so here's a good example. So what does this say about me? I don't know. Over the last six years, I've had three or four opportunities to be a compensated advisor at cannabis companies. Okay. Okay. Like various states or places. And I've said no every time, meaning like, hey, be on our advisory board. You'll earn some equity. The reason I've said no is not because I'm opposed to the business. I'm actually a big supporter, uh, but it's that it's possible. I knew that it's possible that as a startup founder or someone who provides, you may end up at some point having to attest in your other life outside of being an investor, you may run into a form someday that 
that says that you attest that you are not involved with any businesses that are federally illegal. Right. And cannabis, while it's legal in a lot of states, it's, it's technically federally illegal. And I realized that that could be something someday, somehow. And in fact, that has come up with some of the clients we have at full scale. So look at like, I would have ended up possibly owning, like I would have given shares back at that point because that would have been maybe. So this is part of the quote, due diligence process that you need to consider. Diligence is really important. If you're going to put money into a company, you should, you should expect that they would provide you with a financial outlook on what they have. What are you going to do with my money? Right. And like, where are you at as a business? And I think it's a major red flag. I wouldn't invest in a company that wouldn't be prepared to share that with me. Would you? Absolutely. They should have some kind of plan. Use of funds, forecast. But even, but even to show you. Like, yeah. Can I see your balance sheet, your books? Like what's your burn rate? Some of these things. And the more and, and the more yeah. aggressive they are, the more weary of them I would be. I'm not afraid of the aggressive side because I actually, you know me, I'm a little bit of a riverboat gambler in that way because I, I, I don't need you to be super conservative either. But if you're planning on spending the money really quickly, I need to know that more of it's coming in somewhere. Yeah. And, and that also, if you have to quickly pivot or make some changes or cutbacks, that it's not going to kill everything you do. Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We talked a little bit about structuring the terms and the offerings. Um, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time in, on that. There are some at past episodes where you can get into that. There's a lot of resources just here in the Startup Hustle podcast on these subjects and everything we talked about today. Uh, so I'm going to move on down the line. Legal paperwork. Have it. No handshake deals. And and usually people use safe agreements or simple convertible notes and pretty simple agreements these days. People don't use like these really complicated like PPO agreements and stuff they used to use a long no. time ago. A safe note, by the way, is a simple agreement for future equity. Google it. Don't have time to talk about that right now, but that's a real, that, that I like safe notes because what it does is for the earliest stage companies, they make a lot of sense because you're saying, Hey, I don't know what this is going to be worth yet. And neither do you. So it's intended to be fair for the investor the, and the founder in the company. Right. Yep. Yeah. Get and sign like, documents. That's and the like next how to, <laughs> and how to value startups is its own topic that we've done episodes on before too. That's well, kind of related. Safe, the, safe, the safe note is intended to be like, it sounds safe, it's yeah. safer because you, you might end up overpaying, grossly overpaying, establishing what it's, it's just, no one knows what the actual valuation of the company is. So it sets some parameters around that. Okay. As I mentioned, get signed documents, keep them. No handshake deals, people. Okay. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times, you know, through this legal process, the funds, if, if, like, if I'm investing in a company and I want to see that they have this whole process set up. So we've already talked about it. We, you and I both became investors in Lending Standard, who's been on the show multiple times and has been a sponsor of the show. Um, they had their whole, their whole process is set up everything when, you know, we knew here's the price you're, you're buying shares at here's all of it. And it's straight on down to like where to send the money. That money travels through appropriate legal channels. We have paperwork with it. They use, uh, they use a platform called Carta to record us on the, on the balance sheet. I think we also have some other options there. Like that doesn't, uh, um, 
uh, Venture 360 or Liquify do some of that too. Yeah, Venture 360 helps do a lot of stuff. Yep, yep. And then, and then once all that stuff's in place, these these vessels for finalizing your deal get the funds to the company. But all of this, I want to point out, there's a recordation process here. I have a, a literally like at an arm's length away, I have a file that I could pull out and I have my my paperwork from my lending standard investment. Same thing with scale VC. Same thing from full scale, gigabook, everything else too. Yep. So, yep. yep. And the companies we've been in. So, yeah. All right. So Matt, as we kind of, you know, as we, we come to the end, I love this topic. And I also like finding expert software developers for clients. So I want to remind everyone that that's difficult and can be a challenge. Go check out fullscale.io. That's what we do. We work with, you know, over 50 different tech companies that we build teams from. Some of them have one, some of them have 25, you know, like we we're prepared to help you with that. And, you know, this is, these are the kind of things like, do you know that companies that use offshore teams actually get higher valuations? Because they have higher EBITDA margins probably. Yeah. Well, it's because, yeah, it's, it's cheaper. They're stretching the dollar and that's effective use of capital, which is an important thing at early stage startups. So, you know, another thing with full scales, we have, we like to say people platform and process. We've got all three all ready to go. It's a turnkey system. Before we hit record, we were talking about someone we knew that, you know, I mean, here's the thing we, we have our employees are in the Philippines and we were just joking that someone had shared to us about how difficult of a time they were having sourcing their own offshore talent. They're like, God, we have to talk to so many people. That's what we do. Yep. Right. You have to, I mean, yeah. you have to screen and screen. And I mean, we interview yeah. hundreds of people a month. So yeah, we're about to win another award at full scale. We're about, by the time this comes out, we will have already made the Deloitte technology 500. Nice. Yeah. Growing fast. Yeah. Fullscale.io. So Matt, on the way out, I mean, what's a, what's a brief moment of advice that you could give? I, I think, you know, depending on what your net worth is and how much money you want to invest in this kind of stuff, um, the angel the angel group part of it can be kind of fun because you kind of get more involved in it and you kind of pick what you want to put your money in and whatever. Just make sure you pick multiple deals. Don't put all your money in a deal. Just say, hey, I'm going to invest, yeah. you know, 10 grand a month or whatever over a long period of time and I'm just keep spreading it around. Um, or just find a fund, just write them a check and be done with it. That's the easy way. I think the, I mean, honestly, while it doesn't sound as like, I mean, if you're like, if you want to be all hobbyish and like get involved and like get in the weeds, then maybe write some angel checks. I think the smarter play is the fund. Yeah. I mean, it's the diversified way to do it. I mean, you're so, I mean, I don't mind saying, you know, I, I, I committed a hundred grand to scale hyphen vc.com that's part of a five million dollar fund that will realistically invest in 20 to 25 companies they're going to write checks from 150 to like 300 grand so there's 20 to 25 swings and now here's the thing though if one of those companies turns into a hundred million dollar enterprise i'm gonna five i'll get a 5x yep but it may take 10 years that's That's the other side of it it could take 10 years could take 10 years. Yeah. And you know, I could end up with nothing. And you know, one of the things that I think is kind of cool though, like you've received some checks along the way from funds, like when they, when they, when they have a liquidity event at one of the companies that that money goes back down the stream. So, um, you know, like, 
Yeah, you know, I think you actually received a pretty good one a few years ago. I remember. I it. did. Yeah, that that was yeah. our friends at Flywheel, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because I inv- invested yeah. in a private equity group here in Kansas City that had invested in yeah. Flywheel, and so when Flywheel sold, I got a nice, yeah. nice big check. So it was it was a yeah. good day. Yeah, that was you know we've had Dusty on the show before, and that was a you know they're up in Omaha. That was a big deal up in Omaha. That was yeah. a great company yeah. doing doing neat things. And, and I mean, realistically, I don't think you probably would have had that opportunity outside of the fund, right? No, no. no the and the fund yeah. was easy. It was easy way. I just wrote a check, sent them the money, and yeah. they're a really smart, really sophisticated private equity fund. And yeah. And on the on on the flip side, I've seen both of us write checks, individual checks, and deal with uh, mild headaches that came along oh, yeah. with it, and maybe <laughs> and and not and not quite the the return that the fund uh, might have written. You know, in yes. the end, I think that my key advice that I want to give though is back to that. You know, is see pitches. You know, here, and I mean that like in a baseball sense of terms, like don't swing at the first pitch every time. It might not be the best one. You have to, in baseball, they refer to plate discipline. Right. And those are batters that don't swing at pitches outside of the strike zone. Uh, Hitters that are in the Hall of Fame have plate discipline. Yep. Players that never make it past double A or burn out in the major leagues after a year, don't have plate discipline. Because once the word gets out that you swing at pitches in the dirt, you don't see any pitches in the strike zone. Yep. So be smart, use the legal stuff. There's a zillion signal flares up for companies that are already gaining traction. Just go out and find the articles, listen to the podcast, they're everywhere. Matt, I'm going to go, I'm going to go write a check to a fund now. That's something good. Like. The good's what I came up with. All right. I'll Let's see you down check. the road. See you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.